Well, hello there, fellow people, fellow listeners. This is the. Did you just assume their species? I did assume their species. I assume that tigers won't be listening to our podcast. People, unless the name is Tigger, because Tigger listens to every podcast that we release. As everyone Dogs in the Winnie the Pooh universe. No, they're not, actually. Yes, they are. Okay, I'll concede on that one, but Winnie the Pooh is definitely <laughs> not. Man, you put up a hard fight. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done an introduction yet. We're already fighting. There's no fighting on this podcast, Chad. Cheese and rice. Welcome to the Splatoon Gaming Podcast, the occasional weekly podcast where three lifelong friends correspond about video games. That From might the have been the fastest you've ever said that. I know. It was pretty well said, too. Correspond about video games from the comfort of their own home. I am Holden uh, Depardo. I'm Chad Michaelinis. That's the first time that you've actually said your name in the past few weeks. You just mm. kind of say something weird, like you're Chendando or something like that. Nope. I've never said that before. You've and said that's you're Chendando before. We don't fight on this podcast, I'm but not fighting we with do you. dabble in light racism. <laughs> <laughs> what does Chendando have to do with racism? Obviously, it's Spanish. I Anything was, said in Spanish is racist. I was actually going for your other species, like an alien. Chendando? Aliens are people, too. No, they're not. They're specifically not human beings, because they weren't made in God's image. We're just... (laughs) What? We're just on all controversial topics. Oh, man. Welcome to the Religion Podcast. Hey, everybody. Today's a super special episode. It's the last episode in which I get to stare into Holden DePardo's eyes as we deliver this precious Mm -hmm. content to you. We'll be doing... So, there's been some major changes on our end, or I should say at my end specifically. Your end. Jed's yeah. life isn't changing that much, actually, at not at all. Minus not looking at this beautiful face every single Sunday night. I said eyes. I avoid the rest of your face and <laughs> only stare into your eyes. <laughs> They're still beautiful, okay? <laughs> so I'll be moving uh, to Rhode Island to go to school. So we'll be doing this kind of through Skype, I guess. We're kind of figuring out exactly how FaceTime. we're going to do it. FaceTime. It will be FaceTime. It will not be Skype. Okay. Well, I'm just saying Skype, okay? Don't say Skype. Skype. Skype and FaceTime are the Don't same exact Skype. thing. No, they're not. Uh, Uvo. No, they're we'll not. do Uvo. Whatever the other one is called. No. We'll do Google Hangouts. No. We'll, all right. We'll try FaceTime first and okay. see how that goes. Okay. okay. Then we'll go to Skype and Uvo and then Google Hangouts and see how that goes as well. I concede. The gist is... We're going to be experimenting a little bit over the next few weeks, so kind of bear with us as Sexually. we figure things out. We're going to be exploring our sexualities. Mm-hmm, exactly. Experimenting with... Which we needed to let you know over this all podcast. All sorts of species. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to re- refrain on that one because that's illegal. Because <laughs> <laughs> we do do that every single day, of course. You said do-do. So, over the next few weeks, give us a break if uh, we're a little bit later than usual or if things are weird or there's some technical glitches or... We'll be figuring out new schedules. I mean, it might just be a Sunday night still. We'll yeah. just kind of figure that out. But... I don't know. Just thought we'd give you the heads up because we know how aggressive you are whenever we miss something. It's true. We just get nonstop tweets and emails being like, hey, where are you? It's, it's, it's a hard... It's a lot to handle. Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks for... Thanks for respecting us i guess i don't know shut up shut up this podcast is getting stupid let's talk about it's not getting stupid let's talk about what games did you play this week holden of the pardo oh my god i played the shit out of splatoon this week i am so hooked on that now okay okay you did not expect to go into this getting hooked did you i did not expect it getting hooked i expected to be like okay i'll have a little game i can play on my switch to hold me off until mario rabbits now i'm like do I want to play Mario Rabbids when it comes out, or do I want to just keep playing Splatoon forever? Because it's so much fun. Really? I'm really liking it that much. Do you ever play any of the single-player stuff, or is it only catch So I specifically have done the single-player stuff because I'm waiting to do that on my commute back to Rhode Island. Okay. When I don't have internet connection. Okay. But I've been going back and forth between Salmon Run and uh, and the, the regular kind of Turf Wars mode. 
And I've also been getting into ranked battles as well, which has been a ton of fun. Okay. I'd say okay. I talked a little bit about it last week, but I'd say the gist of it is that I think my the main thing I really like about it is that once you kind of figure out the mechanics and kind of how to move it around properly, mm-hmm. it is insanely fun. So you're you're shooting ink out of your gun, like a squirt gun, like a water right. gun. And we've established cover. this game is full of dicks, and ink is a, a euphemism for sperm. Ex- yeah, actually, what's funny is I'll I'll circle back to that in a second. <laughs> so okay. okay, so um. You're, you're kind of covering the terrain of the map, and it's basically a territory shooter. You're trying to claim territory away from your um, enemies, and you you can mark that based on the color of your Like ink. a dog pissing. Exactly. You were a dog pissing all couch, over the map to rug. mark as your territory. Okay. But you can kind of see, like, what territory you've ever, whatever, uh, you can see what ter- blah, whatever territory you've marked already, but you can also kind of see where your enemies are based on where the map is filling in with different colors. So you can kind of interpret a lot just by looking at the map pretty quickly. And when you are in your own color ink, this is where the kind of the, the strategy comes into it. You can turn into a squid and swim inside the ink, but you can also disappear for while you're in the ink. If you don't move, it's as if nothing is really there. So you can kind of use it to be like, I think a guy's going to pop around the corner because it's on the map that that ink is coming this direction. So I'm just going to stay here for a second. When he comes up, I'll just pop out and shoot him and then just take over whatever he marked with his color. I'll then just mark with my color back again. Okay. Okay. So you're not, you don't have to kill your enemies, but you can do so to kind of more easily claim back terrain. Sure. It's so much fun, but it gets super fun when you get into the ranked battles because ranked battles is not about marking an entire map. It might be about, this one square. You guys have to battle out this one little square area and win that spot. Kind of like a capture the hill or something yeah, like that. Yeah, very much a capture the, the hill. hill. There is Rainmaker, which is kind of like capture the flag, where in the middle is this little, like, it's like a little gold, like, um, like emblem or something like that that you shoot at. And then once you shoot it enough times, it gets unlocked. And then you can grab it and you have to make it to your opponent's side. And oh, put so it you down have to there. head into their Yeah, so you base. have to kind of like keep fighting forward to get there. And it's either whoever has whoever got closest in a five minute time frame or or whoever um uh or whoever just made it to the end. So you can have a match that lasts like less than a minute because your team just is killing the other team completely. Or it can really be on edge the entire time. And that's where, I, I swear to God, dude, I'll finish a match and be like, okay, one more, and then three hours later, I'm still playing some. <laughs> not There's, the same match, I hope. Not the same match, okay. no. But so what happens is you know, every two hours, they switch it. So it's like every two hours, they'll they'll talk between two different maps and a mode for that map. Oh, so everyone in the world is playing the same Exa- stuff at the same time? Exactly, yeah. Which makes it kind of fun because you can, you can either you go into it and you're like, well, I don't really feel like playing that mode, which you're not going to have happen because every mode is super fun and unique or you can be like i don't like that certain maps i'm not going to play but it also means that you are dedicated to those two maps for two hours so you kind of get really good at those maps because it's kind of the only maps you're playing it also makes it more worthwhile to kind of go back and play it because i feel like each time i'm going to play it it'll be a different set of maps and a different mode that i'm playing and each map does kind of play a little bit differently depending on the mode that you choose like so there's one map in particular that has these kind of two tall towers and the area that you um, fight is in the area between the towers. So you start high up and then go down. 
Um, and in the bottom kind of area, there are two squares for the splat zones where you have to kind of control the two zones. There's two areas you have to kind of think about. So you have to go back and forth really quickly, and it just gets very hectic. And because all the action is concentrated in that one area, it's just nonstop. Like, you feel like you're in this little war zone you get there because it's like you land and then immediately you're dead because you didn't look around enough to see where the enemies were. It's but outrageously you didn't hide fun. hide in your ink. Well, if if they were already down there, your color ink might not be down there. Oh. And if you shoot your ink down as you're jumping down, they'll see that. So it's kind of you kind of have to be smart about how you approach. That's just the the online multiplayer aspect. There's also Salmon Run, which the only downside to Salmon Run is that it's not always available. What does that mean? It means that yesterday was available and the day before that was available. Now it's not available again until the 8th of August or something like that. That's shitty. I think it's because they don't have uh, enough servers to to do Salmon Run all the time and the, the regular. I know. It's the biggest downside what? of the game. It's the biggest downside. It sucks. Nintendo, who is not hurting for cash right now, doesn't have enough money to keep up multiple... They said they're increasing the schedule and they're going to make it better. Oh my god! But it's a really big letdown because Salmon Run's outrageously fun. It's a horde mode. Now here's the question. Yeah. When you're playing online, do you have any difficulty getting into a group or connecting or anything like that? Um, during the Splat Fest yesterday, yeah, I did. Really? Yeah, so I they've think... they've taken away modes from you and you're still having difficulty getting in. Well, I think it's because a Splat Fest is like a big event that they do. It wasn't that bad. It was like the first like hour or so when most people were probably going in. I had a little bit of trouble. After that, it wasn't a problem, and at no point outside of that Splatfest did I ever have a problem connecting. And it's usually very fast, the connection as well. I just think there's a lot of traffic on Splatfest, because it's kind of like the big monthly event that, they, that they're going to be hosting. And this is really their first online game uh-huh. using their app. Yeah. Which I've not used the app yet. No? I have not done that yet. Have you done any kind of voice chat, like with Discord or anything like that? Nope. Nothing no. at all. No. But... Either way, I'm super hooked on Splatoon. The, the the biggest downside, though, is that I can't play the modes I want to play all the time. Yeah, that seems weird. It is very I, strange. I get that, like, I don't remember whether it's... I think it's League of Legends where, like, they cycle through characters mm-hmm. because it's a free game. And then, like, hey, if I really want to play this character all the time, I can pay for that character. Yeah. Like, I get that, and that's a cool thing. But since you're already paying 60 bucks for this full-fledged game, and the single player's kind of a not a lesser component as compared to the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. That's kind of surprising that you can't play the what the part you want all the time. Yeah, I would that play sucks. But it also it's funny that it wasn't it's only upsetting now today because I can't play Salmon Run today. But when Salmon Run's available, I'd be like, I could play Salmon Run, but I really want to up my rank in in splat zones or in tower control, so I'm gonna go do that instead. Now today I'm like well, shit, I could have done splat zones or tower control today so it only bothers me now that i can't have it when i do have it i found myself making the choice to do more online multiplayer still okay because i just liked upping my rank now here's the question you're obviously still playing zelda at the same time as playing splatoon i have two switches so i can do both simultaneously that's a lie it is a lie but are you ever going to go back and play ARMS now that Splatoon's out? I have already have. You already have? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I hope and Mario Kart. I played Mario forever. Kart today as well. Oh, man. Well, that sounds like a fun experience for some people. <laughs> I'm not one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> but for those of you out there fighting over your mayonnaise, look at that. 
They're all dicks. They're shooting ink. Oh, and that's, one team that's is what covered I was say. in mayonnaise. So that, that's the exact point I was going to make, actually. So you said about the they're shooting sperm everywhere. When you're playing uh, as mayonnaise, you are shooting oh mayonnaise everywhere. God. And it looks like there's just sperm covering everything. It's like blood and sperm everywhere. And then you go and splat net and buy your sperm shirts. And mm-hmm. God. Nintendo, you're sneaky. Like, introducing the topic of sex to children early. Yeah. That's really great for them. And speaking of adult content. We will get to a story about Nintendo and Ooh. more adult content. Ooh, is it the squeezing on. the boob game from Japan again? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, that's all you've been playing? That's all I've been playing, yeah. Well, you said you played ARMS, too. Well, that's bad. I'm not going to talk about yeah, ARMS again. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah. yeah. Um, I played Patapon No one cares, Remastered. but what do you play, Chad, okay? I don't Except care what you played. You know who does care? Who does? Me, and that's all that matters. Okay, that's that's a fair point. I'll concede to that. You care. I have pretty much just played Pat Upon Remastered this week. Mm-hmm. It looked and good in the five seconds I saw. Yes. It. It's fun. It is Pat Upon, just like you played on PSP. Uh, it is a really fun, addicting game. It is uh, a rhythm-based game, but you have little four-button commands that you hit in rhythm to have your Pat Upons either move across the screen or attack or defend so as like a boss is gearing up to do like a big move you have to hit triangle triangle square circle in the right rhythm and they'll defend and things like that but it's really fun surprisingly deep because you're constantly unlocking and and birthing higher level patapons and you're getting weapons and things like that so it has a lot of rpg elements to it but in general it's not a good remaster um there are some things like obvious things, such as a lot of the cutscenes are still super pixelated and gross looking. And you get into the game, and you just saw the game as you came in today. The the game itself looks super crisp and great. I was gonna say because I didn't, I wasn't thinking it was a remaster for some reason. Then I saw it, and I'm like, oh, this is definitely a remaster. Like everything looks a lot sharper. That none of the text looks like it was just like the PSP version, just like right bigger on a big screen it's definitely been scaled up the cinematics though the intro but movies they're, they're garbage looking really yeah they look so bad um how do they think that would carry over you're talking about what was it a four inch screen on a psp i think it was three and a half three three and a half inches wow yeah uh three and a half inches and it also is low res yeah that's not going to carry over to a 1080p screen no, very well gross. at all you i don't know why they didn't did i mean and the cinematics themselves are only 20 to 30 seconds long each. I don't know why they just didn't recreate them. Stupid. Um, so that's one thing that was kind there of a downside. Talking. There are. We have the windows open because it's a beautiful fucking day here in Chicago. Um, you just ruined where we are. And we've said that before. Have we? Yeah. Oh, okay. Keep going. When we talked about Pokemon Go Fest. So. No, we didn't. Your mom. It's true. I concede. Um... Second is the lag on this thing. Yeah, you mentioned that to me. So I I, I yep. walk into to your apartment to start the podcast, and you're playing Patapon, and I don't hear anything, and you have headphones in, and I'm yep. like, what is the deal with that? To which you're about to show that story yep. right now. So there are a lot of reviews who are just blowing this, like tanking this game because it's unplayable uh, for a lot of people because of the lag on the input. And it is a very... like very structured rhythm game and you have to be precise uh especially like build up your fever to get super strong really early you have to hit these buttons and precise movements and on the psp you obviously never had an issue with this because it's built into the system hardwired there's no wireless connectivity or anything like that uh but i guess they didn't 
I don't know what the problem is, whether it is they, they weren't able to accommodate for a bunch of different display types or uh, audio setups or things like that, but um, famously, Greg Miller, who loves Patapon as well from Kind of Funny Games, is not having any of this issue, but he does say that he plays with headphones at all times just because it is a rhythm-based game and he needs to be like in the zone for it. So I tried playing it just... Actually, the very first time I tried playing it, it was via remote play. And I turned on my Vita, I was laying on my bed, and I started to stream it, got to the very first thing, and it's like, all right, this is how you play the game. Hit these four th- buttons. And I was like, we literally couldn't hit them once. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll turn this off, and I'll come back to it later. Then I played it on my TV with my new surround sound system. It's so beautiful. Uh, and I was still having lag there, and I was like having trouble just with that intro, hit these buttons again. Mm-hmm. I put my TV into <clears throat> game mode, which is supposed to cut down on latency and things like that. Nothing. Still shitty. How so did the I, developers not notice that, though, when testing I don't know. it? I don't know. If, I didn't realize it was that bad when you were explaining it to me before. Yeah. So I put in headphones, plugged them, jacked them in straight to the jack-off, boom, splatoon, sperm. Jacked them off straight into the DualShock 4, <laughs> and it is manageable there. I do still notice a little bit of a delay, but I can. it's, it's small enough that I can kind of still make my way through the game mm-hmm. just fine. I, I can't hit, like, the perfect rhythm as much as I could on the PSP versions of the games. But, um, yeah, so disappointing. That it's hugely disappointing, yeah. That it was such a big <clears throat> deal and that, <clears throat> and they, they couldn't fix that or even catch it. I don't mm-hmm. even know. I mean, obviously know about it now, seeing all the reviews and things about it, but sure. I don't know if they They could fix that in a software update, maybe. Or maybe... I, I don't know. It depends. I know some... I know, like, uh, the Crash Bandicoot remake... They couldn't really get to the source information, so they had to re- rebuild a Recreate lot of that it, stuff. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't get to that information to tamper with it, maybe? But if know. that's the case, they just shouldn't have made the game, because that's like saying, I'm going to play a Mario game, but I can't jump at all. <laughs> like, that's it's that's not... the main component <laughs> of the game. Like, this is rhythm. This is the main yeah. component of the game. I mean, it's exactly like when we played Super Mario World on the Wii U. Oh my god. The gosh, lag of right. jumping and we were so terrible the at that game. The first episode, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought I'm like I remember thinking I just don't remember I remember oh, I know old school games are harder but yeah. That game was impossible. And then you played it on your 3DS and no it was problems. like holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's that same kind of thing. It sucks. But you know, mm. I played it in the headphones and I'm be able to do it just uh, fine enough. Yeah. yeah. And I'm still having fun with it. It's great. It's pat upon. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was also having one issue where the UI for it, the the text prompts and things like that, and some of the buttons like go off the edge of the screen. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, maybe I can reset my screen boundaries. There's no options menu in this game. If you hit the options <laughs> button, it just saves it, and that's it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let me go back out to my system settings. So I went to the PS4 settings, and I shrunk the display area so that it was like in the middle of my screen. It wasn't at the edges anymore. Go back to the game, and it literally did nothing. It's like, really? It still trailed off into nothing? Yeah, so like you'll see the D-pad, and it will show you the controls on the D-pad, but you can only see two of the buttons because the other ones are off the screen. Wow. Or at the bottom, it'll say press any button, and you can't see the N on the end of button. That's shocking. I know, right? What? I've read other reviews, too, that say they have the same issue. So What QA control do they have on that game? I have That's... no clue. That's just not the kind of Which stuff is, you usually hear about a game nowadays. I know, and especially coming from a first-party studio. It's, yeah. It's Studio Japan, or Japan Studio. Oh, shit, now I got those backwards in my head. I don't know which one's right, but it's a Sony first-party studio. 
Totally blows my mind. That's incredible. But I'm still having a lot of fun with it. It's really great. Uh, the game itself is super addicting. Mm-hmm. And it's better than Splatoon 2, so... That's not possible. I don't think you know what possible means. And then, as usual, I've been playing Pokemon Go! Got that Moltres! <laughs> getting Zapdos on Tuesday! It's the best week ever for Chad. It's so good! <laughs> and that's all the games I've been playing. Well, do I talk about some news? Yeah, let's do it! Let's talk about news! Talk about let's some talk news. about nudes. I'll start us off, because we had... I saw nudes on the internet. Yeah. There was... A big story this week. Was there? Did we talk about the Walmart situation and the SNS Classics last week? We did not. We didn't talk about any news last Sunday. Okay, so I'll catch up. Did we? I don't know. No, I had two stories. And I was hyper, and so I yelled them. I don't know. What a science. (laughs) So the SNS Classic went up for pre-order on Walmart, and a bunch of people got them. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, yeah. And a bunch of people got them. And then subsequently got emails from Walmart being like, hey, we fucked up. We weren't supposed to release this. We're canceling your pre-order. And they did that to every single person. Yep. And now they've come out and said that pre-orders are, this is the new story, pre-orders will be starting this month. Yep. Can't wait. They should be starting this month because they come out next month. So Yes. They could just, and they said there'll be pre-orders. If you miss a pre-order, they specifically said you will have your opportunity to get one on launch day. Yeah. So, Whether that is one per brick and mortar store, it'll be one per brick and mortar yeah, store. Yeah, I'm sure they're sure. not going to have enough supply because that's Nintendo, and that's how they've been for 40 years. God, I hope they have enough supply. No, because well, because I was going to get one on launch, but with the move and everything, I'm not going to be able to do that. They won't have enough supply. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can get one. Later Resign on yourself year. to failure, and that you're never going to be able to get one. I'm, I'm, I am thinking that honestly. I'm like, I'd rather think that and then be surprised that I was able to get one. Then like just telling myself I'm going to get one. So did you see the other day, Amazon? Have you ever heard of the Amazon Treasure Truck? Yes. They had NES classics. Yeah, I went to. I went, yeah, I went to there with Jeremy. Jeremy got one. God damn it. Yeah. I saw Dane got one, and I was like, Yep. Oh, and then I went on. I they like, did oh, not have a lot of them. I went. I I went there with with Jeremy. Yeah. And it was literally a table about the size of your coffee table with just some bags on it, and they're like, "Grab your NES classic." I'm like, "There are 15 of them there." <laughs> It, anyone who managed to get them. The fact that I know two people who got them. I've never in the city of Chicago truck before. Neither have I, but I signed up for it. And they'll they'll text. You have to like text them to find out what's in the truck. That's so you kind of have to be proactive about it. I think it's because they have cool things in there, and that they want to lessen the demand to only people who really care. I guess. I don't, I don't know. Stupid. Just give me a fucking NES classic. I don't even want that one. I want the, N- the SNES. I want the SNES classic as well, yeah. Uh, All right. So, yeah, later this month, be prepared. Set your alerts on Amazon. Yep. Best Buy. Does Best Buy do alerts? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Walmart, apparently, if you want to, I don't know, fuck up your life. What news do you got for me, Chad? Hey, I've got some nudes for you. Uh, This one, I don't know. It's... I guess a new story. Super Mario Odyssey is the first Mario game. First Damn it. proper Mario game. That was my stupid story. Uh, that's rated higher than E. Yes. It's E10+. plus. Okay, so we were going to do a segment called Stupid News Story, but we don't share news stories before we that's do this. Right. So I was going to share that as my stupid news story. Stupid news story of the week. It's the stupidest fucking story. Yeah. It's what not it? E. It's E10+. plus. Probably it, because it, you put this hat on people, and it kills them and fries their brain, and then you take over their body, and then suddenly that person's going to hell. We so. don't we don't know why it's rated E10 yet. All we know is it's rated E10, and that's it. And 
I don't know. Like, it's just not news to me. That's like, okay, so everyone who's going to play Mario is still going to play Mario. Yep. It's, it means if, nothing to anybody. If, if they said, the new Mario game is coming out, it's rated M, I'd be like, M? What the fuck is in this and Mario game? And they're not going to have a nine-year-old walk up to a counter and be like, I want Mario. Can I see your ID? Yeah, is you your mother around? <laughs> you don't look old enough to play them Mario games. Yep. Dumb. It was a really dumb story. Uh, well, hey, since you kind of took that from me non-consensually... I'm going to do another one. <laughs> you, do you suggest I raped that story from you? Whoa! <laughs> That's okay, what you were implying. Anyone R, her. That was Arrested <laughs> Development for you. Uh, I have another one Mario-related. Yeah. And that is um, Ubisoft responding to Rabbids plus Mario Kingdom Battle leaks. Um, oh, why? I didn't even hear about this at all. You didn't? No. Uh, basically, the developer just said, in response to you know all of their shit leaking early, assets from it... Uh, and months and months earlier before E3 and their reveal, something we don't necessarily think about from their end is like what it does to the team and the morale. Uh, so he says they were really aiming to do a big surprise at E3. Of course, it was quite a bad backlash for the entire team, said Soliani. Discouraging, quite hard on the team morale. Uh, quote, there is no way to avoid not feeling anything towards this kind of feedback. We're passionate guys and not just about doing this as a job, but also for the pleasure of giving emotion to the player. Uh, especially because when they looked at the response that everyone was saying about the leaks, and like, really? Rabbids? This game looks like a piece of shit, and it's really crappy. And everyone's <laughs> like, well, damn, now we still got to build this game and keep making it, even though nobody fucking wants it. And there are months and months of that before they can finally show it off, and it does look rad, and it looks really fun. I think I think the problem with those leaks was that they didn't tell you what the game was. Exactly. It was just like the marketing of the game, really. Like, oh, there's going to be this poster. People are like, that's fucking stupid. Right. But the gameplay is what sold it for everyone, and now... It's actually, I think it might have worked in their favor, honestly. I think that if you hadn't had the negativity beforehand, you wouldn't have had the surprise, That doesn't make it, if that makes any sense. I don't know. Just them being... I've, is it worth their mental health <laughs> for six months no, to, to have not. that surprise? I think... It, it, it turned I hate into leaks. a bigger story than it would have been, I think, Exactly. It yeah. does. It does. But I hate leaks because I like to consume content from these developers in the way that they intended i shouldn't share one of my stories then <laughs> <laughs> um but of course leaks fucking happen and we're like oh we know god of war is about fucking the norse gods now instead of that but i mean like i wish i could have seen the cool reveal trailer and seen that myself from santa monica and so oh, i see what you mean okay yeah. like instead of seeing little it's bits not of that you don't want to know anything early. ahead of time you want to know only what the developer wants you to know ahead right of time. because they're gonna have the messaging that they want to have and while it sounds kind of salesy and like oh we're gonna pitch you something even though it might not be the game it's like yeah but if you get a leak and then it's something disappointing and shitty you get it out of context and it well, might think, be something really cool but you're going in with a negative idea well i think the star wars movies have been a really good example of of that even though it's not video games where you know just a little bit ahead of time and you're excited to hear what like jj abrams or what right. ryan johnson's gonna tell you about this new star wars movie but you always know that that context will be provided when you see the movie itself right as opposed to like oh someone decided to tell me that luke skywalker is gonna die at the end of episode eight awesome now i have that to look forward to feeling good there buddy yeah yeah so i'll go to one of my stories then because it's it's related in the sense that it's a leak <laughs> So, The Last of Us, you hear about The Last of Us Part 2 leak that happened this week? I don't think it was a leak. It was just someone saw a parking structure and some signs that looked like parking structures from Seattle. Mm-hmm. 
from a video that they had released themselves. It's still kind of, I guess it's not a leak in that case, but it's still information that wasn't there before about Last of Us Part 2, which is that part of it will take place in Seattle, apparently. Yeah. Any I information mean, about this game I'm looking forward to. Right. Obviously, yeah. there's nothing from Naughty Dog saying, hey, this is in Seattle, but... No. And, of course, Last of Us 1 was all over the map. It was a cross-country little mm-hmm. trek, so I'm sure that even if part of this does take place in Seattle, it'll also take place in I many different areas. I want a globe-trotting adventure. I would love to only be in the water. To only be in the water? I want Waterworld the game Last of Us 2. <laughs> Sounds so bad. Woo! It's going to take a while to swim over there. <laughs> <laughs> Zelda Wind Waker. Hey, 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 hey. Do you like Bioware? Montreal? Do you like... Motive Studios? Motive Studios? Good news for those of you who like both, they're now the same one. So, they're merging. Sad day. Is it a sad day, though? What yeah. makes it sad? I don't know. The Bioware name is going away, it feels like. No, it's not. Just Bioware Montreal. I just feel like Bioware is going away, though. It's just You're right. Like... You could misinterpret this and come up like with that conclusion. I think it's over. Absolutely. I think Nintendo's done for now because Ab- of this. Done. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so the uh, merge comes after reports that Mass Effect series was to be put on hold after underwhelming release of Bioware Montreal's Mass Effect Andromeda, and that the studio would instead be focusing on Bioware's other titles, including Anthem. Which, it sounds like, are they... Are they... Bioware Montreal was the team that worked on Mass Effect Andromeda. Yep. What are they working on at Motive? Like, what has Motive been? EA Motive, headed by ex-Ubisoft. Ubisoft, I can't believe I just said that. Exec Jade Raymond is currently working on Star Wars Battlefront 2 and other unannounced projects. Interesting. How does that translate, the team for Mass Effect going over to Battlefront? Uh, both space shooters. Is Mass Effect a space shooter, though? It is in space and you shoot. But it's not a shooter in the sense that, like, that Battlefront is a shooter. It's just They're just not the same thing. They're very different games. Are they, though? They have they run off the same engine, and I know Mass Effect and Drama both have really hard elements. I would say Mass Effect's much heavier handed on the RPG elements than Battlefront. I said light. (laughs) Yeah, light for Battlefront, not for Mass Effect. You're an effect massively. I would say that The Witcher is a fantasy adventure game with light RPG elements. Shut up. Read me a news story. <laughs> I got no news for you. That's all that I That's have. That's it? That's all you I'm, have? I'm I have two more. I, I'm okay. Well, you. I'll go with both no, of them. No, no, no. I'm doing two stories well, maybe you shouldn't be a related. liar or you'll screw up your life. I have three Switch games to announce. Personally, yeah, two that of I have Resident made. Evil Revelations 1 and 2. <laughs> yep. <laughs> one of them is Resident Evil Revelations 1, and the other one is Resident Evil Re- Revelations 2. Three. Two. It's three. Actually, no, it's, no, they're leaving out two and no, they're skipping right no, to three. No, they're going to two, Chad. A game that doesn't exist. One plus two is three, but two is two. Ooh, Fibonacci. Ooh. So, they're coming to the, the Switch. I'm actually excited about that. That's a game I would play on the Switch, for sure. And, and also, they're coming to Xbox One and PS4, so I'd hope they're coming to Switch, considering that Resident Evil Revelations... They're already on Xbox One and PS4. Yes. Uh, and Vita. But considering that, yes, 3DS. They're they're, on everything but Switch. They're on everything but Switch. But if it started on 3DS, it sure as hell can run on a Switch. So it's a good thing it's coming there. It's also a survivor horror for the first time on the Switch, which we have not seen yet. I hope it's like the PS4 and Xbox One versions and not the 3DS version. It will not be the 3DS version. Do you know that for sure? I because the Nintendo's good at making bad decisions. Because (laughs) they are very good at that. Yep. Because have you seen them on the PS4 and Xbox One? They're not. No, they're not incredible looking. 
But they're better than the 3DS, I'm sure. Yeah, they're definitely better than the 3DS for sure. Yeah. The Switch is more powerful than the 3DS. I know it is. I would hope it, it can run this gonna... game. <sighs> the other game, it's actually already been announced. It just has a release date now. We're going to fight. I just want to punch somebody. For punch you in $40. The $40? On November 14th, Rhyme is finally coming oh. to the Switch. Rhyme's already out on everything else, right? Yeah, just not the Switch. Like, what? Like... Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I want to play it, though. I mean, it was a game that got meh reviews, so... I was going to wait to get it on the Switch, and then it got bad reviews, and then I'm like, I'm never, I'm just never exactly, going to play this yeah, game. Don't play this game. Who cares yeah. if it comes out six months later on something Unless else. it comes out and it's like, they fixed every problem. It's a 10 out of 10. It's a masterpiece they of a game. They remade the game and made it a different game. Yep, and I'd be like, sure, I'll buy it now, but I'm not going to do that. Nice. I want to nice. hear stories from your face, One Jed. more story. Dragon Quest... XI is 11. Sold a buttload in Japan. Says really? Kotaku. First two days on sale, the PlayStation 4 and Nintendo 3DS versions of Dragon Quest 11 are estimated to have sold a combined 2,080,806 copies at retail. Didn't the 3DS version sell more or something like that? It did. Slightly more, yep. So 3DS sold 1,013,000. Uh, 1.13 million. Uh, PS4 sold 950,000. Wait, is this the game that had the 3DS PlayStation 4 bundle? Yes. Isn't that weird <laughs> as fuck? Um, but that's after two days, and they do not include include downloaded sales. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. But this it's does come impressive. from a country where people will literally call up work when Dragon Quest comes out. Is it that big in Japan? It is huge in Japan. Wow. I now, know that. for context, the Switch and Wii U versions of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild critically acclaimed... And also universally panned. <laughs> what? Sold a total. I just contradicted myself because I <laughs> thought that game was boring. Sold a total of 230,981 copies during the game's first three days out. Obviously, they have a lower install base, but Splatoon 2 had a huge launch with an estimated 670,955 copies. Pokemon Sun and Moon, which came out on the 3DS, which does have a large install base sold 1.9 million copies during its first three days. So this is really impressive. That is very impressive. And uh, earlier, they uh, this is coming west, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, boom, How are the time. reviews for it? Have they been good? I haven't looked at any. I looked at sales numbers, didn't look at reviews. But to be fair, they're probably in Japanese. <laughs> you're in Japanese. I'm in English. Holden DePardo featured in English. Holden DePardo in full translated English. You thought he was good in German. Wait till you hear him speak American. Holden DePardo coming to theaters this November. I got two stories for you in English. Wait, I thought you said you were done. No, I was joking with you. Oh, I'm going to slit your eyeballs. (laughs) If my eyeballs get slit, everyone (laughs) heard it. No one's going to know because you're going to be in Rhode Island and no one lives in Rhode Island. That's a good point. That is actually very true. No (laughs) one lives in Rhode Island. So we have two more stories. I have two more stories at least. One is that Middle Earth Shadow of War's nemesis system will have microtransactions. Yeah, you can buy that victory at the castle. What kind? Like loot boxes and and things like that. So you're going to have loot boxes, war chests, and XP boosts. Okay, okay. I, I was thinking about it. My gut reaction was, this is an outrage. And then I'm like, it's single player, though. Yeah. If you want to go through and collect everything the normal way, you can do that. If you don't have time and you want to blow through the game, you can do that. So I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other story is that, this is just more shocking to me, 
Respawn still heavily invested in the Titanfall universe. More on the way. So after not selling that well with Titanfall 2, despite being on two consoles. Three, if you got PC. Three consoles. Two consoles and three. PC. Steambox. <laughs> two consoles, PC, three. and then a Atari waste box. of people's money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Atari Box. So... I know, I just thought that was interesting that they want to keep the franchise going. I didn't expect that. I really no, thought I we would never either. hear from Titanfall at all. So <laughs> we will hear from Titanfall soon. Oh joy! Not soon, but like at some point in the future. Wonderful, wonderful! It's the best news of all time. Matthew Gross actually picked up Titanfall. It was on sale for like ten bucks or something like that a week ago, and he said he's super enjoying it. Is he? Yeah, he said it came out. He got bad reviews. Didn't even care about it. Never played Titanfall one, but then he picked up this one. And he's like, it's a lot of fun. And it plays really well. Mm-hmm. I've heard it plays well. I thought it got good reviews. What do you mean it got bad reviews? I mean, everybody was like, the single-player campaign is awesome. But then the multiplayer, I mean, it was, I don't know. I don't know. I never played it. Who am I? Chad Michaelinis. You got it. I knew I knew it. So. What's coming up next, buddy? Um, That's all of the news I got. Me too. But you already knew that. Because you're holding Depardo in English. Dolby so, Digital Surround Sound. Let's consult the notes for a second. What is our topic for this week, Chad? We have two topics. You came up with both of them, and the one in the note is old, so... Okay, so we'll just go off of what I'm going to say right now, then. Yep. So, I guess... I want to talk about the PS5 first. Yeah, so Sony announced the PS5. They didn't, but it's been rumored and talked about. Potentially coming out in uh, 2019, allegedly. I don't don't think any of that... I don't... It's all speculation. It's all speculation. rumors. Yeah. Well, it's... It is a it's a rumor. Doesn't mean it's true. Rumors no, aren't. If it was a rumor, it'd be like, hey, so some leaked document came out, and and I heard from a supplier that hey, this might be coming out next mm. year. Whereas everyone else is like, you know, based on kind of sales figures, I'm gonna guess it's gonna come out in 2019. Okay, so analyst predictions are saying 2019. Analyst. Uh, and now rapist. And now rapist. Anal yes. rapist. Full on rapist. What was comes what full is circle. the what is an now rapist again? It was an anal. Uh, Analytical therapist? Yeah. Analytical therapist is right. So the PS5 is is being talked about. And I don't necessarily know when it's coming out, nor really care when it's coming out. I don't know when it's coming out. That's crazy. I will say this, though. I don't think it's going to be called PlayStation 5. What do you think it's going to be called? Just PlayStation. Really? I think they've said that the time for generations is still here, but I think the next generation, if you will, will be like the perpetual generation. For those of you who don't speak Holden DePardo in English or can't see him, he did air quotes on yeah, the generation. I did, I did air quotes. So, I guess the reason that it interests me is that if you look at how 360 carried over to Xbox One, where Microsoft was very arrogant about how well they did with the 360, that they totally flopped the Xbox One I'm starting to get concerned that might happen with the next round for PlayStation because they're already kind of making decisions of we're so great, we're at the top of our game, we don't need to make these like, you know, super all-encompassing decisions for our users. Examples like crossplay. Like if you want to play Minecraft on a PlayStation with your friends on Xbox, you can't do that. But if you're on literally any other platform, you can you can do that. And their reasoning is, well, we, we know how to keep children safe or something like that, as if, like, other companies don't know how to keep children safe. They're already kind of putting them in this themselves in this. Our bubble is already so great. Why would anyone want to leave our bubble or talk to other people outside of our bubble? They're getting a little arrogant, I think. And I'm worried that we're going to have some 
not great things come to the PlayStation 5 or PlayStation Next, whatever it's going to be called, because of that. And we've had a discussion about this on, on the podcast before. Uh, I don't think Microsoft Xbox One is a flop. It's not a flop, it, but it, like... It's selling just was, as well as the previous generation did. Mm-hmm. PS4 just happened to be selling crazily. Um, I, I think that's a flawed way of looking at it. Why is that? Because... Forget PlayStation and Xbox One, right? Just combine both consoles and look at the sales of both those consoles going up, right? It skyrocketed compared to the previous generation. That means that the potential was there for Microsoft to swoop in and take some of that. But they botched their launch window so badly by poor marketing that they lost the, the, the momentum and PlayStation took all of it. So Microsoft could have done a lot better. Well, sure. They did. Yeah. So I think it's unfair to say that PlayStation was just this crazy anomaly and that Microsoft never would have But I don't think it's that. a 13 million Wii U situation. It's not. They're no, it's not. They're still healthy in the mid-30 millions. They're still healthy in the... Th- in the yeah. But when PlayStation is double that, it's hard to say that they're competing very well against their competitor. No, I that wouldn't is say the, that at all, yeah. but they're definitely not a flop. But it has put them in a situation of, hey, we need to make decisions that respect our users so that... Right. We can so they're back. they are playing catch up. Yeah, and they're making a lot of. I I don't fight. I don't fault PlayStation for saying, "Hey, we're not going to make crossplay with other platforms available." Because why would they? Why would they want to do that? Because they're arrogant. No, because no. they're doing. Why would they? Because it's, why it's would an they arrogant want decision. to make things crossplay compatible if they have people on their platform? They see it as. Uh, like, why would they want to give people a reason to leave their, their platform okay. and go to Xbox or Switch? Mm-hmm. When Microsoft was on top, they had... I mean, I don't know if the technology was there at the time, but I'm sure they would not have done... Like, they're not, oh, well, yeah, stay on the Xbox. Why the fuck would we want you to be able to play with PS3 and Xbox mm-hmm. at the same time? You're right. I think anyone who's under, anyone who's losing, of course, are going to be like, yeah, you can do whatever you want on our platform. We're going to treat you with all the, the good in the world because... We're underneath, and Excuse technically me. we need people. So mm-hmm. I don't fault PlayStation for not playing that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the reasoning they gave behind it was stupid when they said, uh, we we need to keep our users safe, and we can't control other providers' environments. I think that was dumb as shit, and they should have just come out and said, no, PlayStation is the best place to play. It's where all your friends are, mm-hmm. and we want to keep our tight community. And if they said that, they would have. If they, if they meant that, they would have said that. But they didn't say that. They said some bullshit reason, which means they have a bullshit internal reason as well. Yeah. That's how I read that, at least. So you don't think that they're getting a little arrogant? I think they are getting a little bit, but I, uh, I don't think that I see them going anywhere close like, to where Xbox was at the beginning of this generation or where PlayStation was at the beginning of the We also have like, the backwards compatibility thing. They just come out and said backwards compatibility is not a thing people want. Yeah. I, I would definitely beg to differ well, on they that said, one. They said it's a often requested often underutilized feature. Mm-hmm. So when it's there, people don't use it, but they think they want it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. PlayStation, of course, has their faults. There are so many things in the in the software that mm-hmm. people have been wanting forever, like change my names, backwards compatibility, things like that, that, yeah, yeah they need to fucking figure out and mm-hmm. they need to get working. But mm-hmm. I don't think that they're going down the, hey, you want a console, get a second job, you're going to want it anyway because we're fucking great. Mm-hmm. That they were at the beginning of the PS3 generation, or with Microsoft, who's like, "Hey, we don't need to fucking worry about the gamers because we have, you can stream your TV through the port and you can watch sports and shit." And but like, I guess the point I wanted to make with the backwards compatibility is that that might be the the to me the trigger of 
Xbox is kind of going this direction of all-inclusive, everything works everywhere. Games right. on your Xbox One work on your Xbox One X. will work on the next system, the next system after that. Like, it'll just kind of keep moving forward. Right. PlayStation's comment on, well, backwards compatibility is often requested but not often used. Unless, unless they use the same architecture for the next PlayStation, they could have backwards compatibility issues where PlayStation 4 games don't work on the new system. And, like, if they did that, so Out is, of that is the question you're asking, do we think that the PS5 will have backwards compatibility? That's just one point I'm making right now. But if it doesn't have backwards compatibility because they're having this same kind of like arrogant mentality that they seem to have this year, that's going to be a problem. People will choose the other console to, for backwards compatibility if like in those it's not that only decision, but if we see smaller decisions kind of adding up like that, that could be a problem for Sony's image going forward at the start of the next generation. Yeah, I don't... You don't seem as concerned about this as I, no, as I am. No, no. I mean, yeah, they've made a couple of, of not dumb, but mm-hmm. unpopular decisions mm-hmm. in the last six months to a year. Yeah. But I don't think that means anywhere near going, like, we're going to fuck up the entire next generation. You don't think they're going to fuck up the next generation. Like, I don't think Microsoft fucked up the entire next generation with theirs either. But they were definitely standing on a well, you on a pedestal. A uh, the marketing was a flop, absolutely. You called the console a flop. You said Phil Spencer himself is a flop and he should hang himself. That's what you said. And because he definitely didn't handle the job. Sorry, there was a mistranslation. This is Holden DePardo in English. He normally speaks in German. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Spencer was not involved in the launch of the Xbox One. To be fair, Don Matrick was. He went to Zynga. Yeah, because <laughs> Zynga's on the rise. On the rise. Yeah. I guess I'm confused what the question is. Or the topic. I guess my, my what, point. What are we my, trying to ask? My, my my point is that they're making decisions that don't seem to be in the interest of the gamer. In the same way that Microsoft was making decisions that weren't in the interest of the gamer, and that hurt Microsoft. And I think it's going to hurt Sony in the next generation. That's my point. Gotcha. Yeah, it might. All right. Yeah. When yeah. they came into the PS4 generation, one of the things that they did is they're saying, "Hey, we're for the gamer." We went to developers. We asked them what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why the developers were so on board with PS4. And that's why mm-hmm. uh, like they have all of these exclusives and things like that. Like <clears throat> exclusive partnerships with Activision and, and Bungie. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's going to fail on so? PS5. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that we know enough or we're close enough to no, that. No, we're definitely not close enough. Call, but I guess it just... There's some stuff that's happened this year that's kind of got me worried because Microsoft sure. Sony has been so on point with their communication that these slip-ups I'm like I really hope this isn't just them getting kind of an ego about how yeah. well they're doing cuz they're doing super fucking well like super super well even with the Switch's gigantic success they're still the number one selling system right now like they should feel good about that I just hope it doesn't turn into making anti-gamer decisions in the next update that's my concern. Hmm. Well, it's invalid. That's that's fair. I'll concede to that. No, I'm just kidding. It's valid. <laughs> I just wanted to end on that note. <laughs> you had right. another topic. We have time for another topic. We're talking about What's your other topic? topic? Tell me about your other topic. It was How many question. times can we say the word topic in a show? Topic, topic, hot topic. topic. Hot topic. Do you have so, a topic? That topic's hot. Let me share a topic with you. I didn't think about this topic that much, just more okay. of a slight thought I had and said, hey, there should be a topic that we talk about in the topic section of our topic podcast related show. A lot of topics for you. I think we you. did it. Yeah. Okay. I think All we right. set the world record. Cool. So, I would just, and this isn't original thought by me by any means. It's just something I've heard people talk about and just kind of hit me. I feel like indie games were a lot more, 
or I, I wouldn't say more popular, but much more heavily marketed a few years ago. And now I don't feel like we're seeing them as often. We're like, it seemed like that like there would be I don't know like. Yeah, I guess Inside came out last year, but like I feel like games like Gone Home kind of took over the zeitgeist. Yeah, a little bit, and we haven't really had any indie games at all this year that has done that. Unless I'm not, I'm just not thinking of one. I think this comes down to a new product launch, mm-hmm. specifically with PS4 and Switch. Mm-hmm. And anytime there's a new launch and there's a dearth of games, and they're like, "Hey, we don't really have anything big AAA to put out there, but we want people to have things to play." Indie fills that spot. So indies fill that spot. So yeah. PS4 came right off the bat saying, hey guys, mm-hmm. we're going to have this great partnership. We have all of these indies coming to it. Things that were already established, maybe on PC and Steam and things like that. But they brought them over to PS4 because, yeah, there was they were filling gaps. Mm-hmm. They had Infamous Second Son in that launch window-ish area. They had kills on Shadowfall, but there wasn't a whole lot out there, AAA style. Mm-hmm. But everyone wanted these systems, they were flying off the shelves. So I think a lot of companies use that, or have used that this generation as a a way of filling gaps in their lineup, because if you think about mm-hmm. back to like N sixty four when it line when it launched with Pilot Wings and Super Mario sixty four, and that's all you had for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and people always complain like, oh, launch lineups suck, or there's not enough in there. I'm only interested in one game. Suddenly now there's a bunch of games at a bunch of different price points that could hook you in, and Nintendo saw that move with PS four and did the same thing with Nindies on the Switch where they bring over things like Mr. Shifty or Snake Pass, which technically came out on everything but got a lot of buzz on Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So I think that indie titles have kind of taken a backseat because suddenly developers are getting a hang on this architecture. Things that were started when the new consoles launched are finally coming to fruition, uh, and they no longer need that space filler. They're still there, mm-hmm. and there's still a great community behind them, but they no longer have to rely on those as games to sell yeah. their systems or to give people things to play because there's enough huge content out there. I think it kind of hurts the indie community a little bit because when, at least for me, when I was starting to hear a lot about the, you know, talk about indie community and that kind of stuff, it felt like it was going to be a more permanent place in the marketing. Like, we'll have a AAA games here, the smaller games. We'll kind of show both side by side because both offer unique experiences and Sony's going to make a killing off of indie games, I'm sure, because yeah. they get a ton just for hosting that content. I don't know what their deals they have per indie, but I feel like you're absolutely right. Your point of, like, they Sony doesn't need to talk about them, so they're not going to talk about them. They're only going to talk about things they need to talk about. But I think because of that, because they're not having, like, Sony come out and saying, like, hey, here's an indie game we think is really special. Like, this is something that really stood out to us. You don't have that that same, like, interest in the, in the whole community as a whole, I would say, for those people who don't pay attention as much. Because yeah. if you wanted to find out a good indie game, it's either going to be like IGN's talking about it, or like GameSpot's talking about it, or you just happened to find it in the PlayStation Store. Like, There's not really a good avenue to experiment, or like find out about good indie games, really. They yeah. don't get reviewed a lot, typically. And if they do, it's just like some random review by someone. It's not a big, you know, respected you know, uh, reviewer going behind it and interviewing, or right. uh, reviewing it. They have to review... The new Splatoon game that just came out, or like when, whenever like Nino Kuni comes out, or like Uncharted is coming out this month, like they're gonna go to those big games. They're not gonna talk about. I guess they would do Inside. That's an exception, but like they're not gonna talk about like the what was it, uh, Screen Sheet, like that right. game that we just played last week. That was super fun. 
and I think more people would enjoy that if they knew about it. But I feel like there's just not really an avenue anymore for these indie games to really be known. Yeah, I, it was a lot easier at the launch when there weren't a lot of games for these to, to get notice on the PlayStation Store mm-hmm. or on uh, Xbox, whatever the fuck you call it, game marketplace or I don't know. But yeah, it was obviously a lot more easier for them to get a spotlight there because there wasn't any competition or not a whole lot of it. And now if you think about the way that things are advertised on that store, I'm it's all paid for. So when you see giant banners for Call of Duty or Bungie's Anthem or, or wait, no, Bungie's not making Anthem. Bioware's Bio- making Anthem. Yeah, Bio- uh, Bioware. You see these and they are they are heavily marketed and paid mm-hmm. for by these companies to be featured on the store. Yeah. And indies obviously just can't pay can't compete with that marketing budget. So one thing and it's the same thing like in re- retail stores when you see shelf space and you see huge advertisements for this or one specific product gets an entire shelf by itself it's because that company paid for that space mm-hmm. um, one cool thing that PlayStation in particular has started doing recently in the last couple of weeks is the developer kind of like this is a developer this is what they're known for and these are six or seven cool games that they really like that are out right now mm-hmm. and a lot of those have featured some really cool indie titles and I think that's a an interesting way to advertise smaller games that people might not know about that mm-hmm. deserve some praise or play without having to necessarily take away advertising space from a big budget title or uh, and, and you know every once in a while they do like indie sales or things yeah. like that or right now they're in the midst of like a downloadable the problem with the indie sales sale though is they well. generally tend to be the same games in those sales every they single do, time they do yeah so once you bought all of them, it's like, cool, there's no other indie games to play, really? Yeah. That's it? But hey, I bought Screen Sheet in an indie game sale. That's true. So oh. yeah, I think it's just a matter of advertising budget and then mm-hmm. finally having enough huge games to play. Because if we're honest, if we look at 2017, I'm not going to be able to play half of the games that are coming out that I want to play just because of time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if that's all the shit that we have coming out, plus trying to fit indies in there as well. Mm-hmm. It's not that discussion's not important to them. It's just that there's a lot of shit to talk about. Yeah. And a lot of dollars to buy a conversation space. So. Mm-hmm. I would like Nintendo to have a bigger kind of play in the indie scene. I feel like the Switch lends itself to indie games far better than any of their consoles. Just for indie games tend to be small experiences that's going to work well on a TV and in a portable, which is exactly what the Switch does yeah. very, very well. And I'm sure we'll see a push from them at least for the next 12 to 18 months. Absolutely, yeah. But I would, I would hope what I'm, what I'm saying is that it goes beyond those 12 to 18 months. Like, I want indies to be a consistent part of, a, a featured part of the Nintendo lineup going forward. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see that too. Mm-hmm. It all depends on whether third parties kind of jump on yeah. and make big budget titles for the Switch. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> I felt like I talked a lot during that one. Yeah, I had nothing to say. Because you wouldn't let me talk. Yeah, Thanks, because... Chad. Hold a departo in English, part two! So next in Split Screen Gaming Podcast, for those of you who are joining us for the first time ever, go back and listen to the rest. We love you. Listen to every episode and we then We do continue. our subscriber interrogatives. You have to watch them Holden. in order. Holden. I will not stop talking over you, Chad. How do people send I will never stop talking over you. Listen to me. How do people send I will listen to you right interrogatives? now. How do they do it? If they wanted to send us an interrogative? Yes. They can email us at splitscreengaming 
podcast at gmail.com. You I, got it. Split screen gaming podcast at gmail.com or comment in the Facebook group or something like that. Mm-hmm. This one comes from a legit person. Oh my gosh. And they emailed me face to face. You're a legit in real person, life. <laughs> So, real life email with their eyes and their mouth. I'm reading uh, the question Daniel right now. Daniel Newman asks, and by ask, I mean, I guess it's a demand, it's an imperative. <laughs> Rank the top five Metal Gear Solid bosses. Considering I have played half of Metal Gear Solid 3, or no more than half of it. I don't really have much of a say. This, in this. will largely be my. It will all be you. Question then. Um, I think I'm going to start at one. That might be easier because, mm-hmm. as we saw last week with our BuzzFeed episode, you started at five and you're like, "Well, fuck." Then I forgot about this game and I was like, yep. uh. "So I'm going to start at one." That and was I think, so much fun. <laughs> that was that was a good episode. Go back and listen to that one like three times, guys. Oh yeah, to, to give you a tease, I didn't realize that I had to do half of the. Uh, I didn't do half the work basically, so I had to yep. come up with top five lists on the fly. And there were some birds, really man. bad. Great list of birds. <laughs> <laughs> I think my number one was D from Sony <laughs> yes, Philadelphia. <laughs> oh man! So the top five Metal Gear Solid boss battles. Now there, there are a lot of boss battles. In Metal Gear Solid, and there are a lot of games. And my number one boss battle from our BuzzFeed episode last week... Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Spoiler. Was Psycho Mantis. And I think that's going to reign supreme here, obviously. Psycho Mantis is a super cool boss battle. Introduced a lot of really novel ideas. I like Sane Mantis. He was a lot of fun to fight. Mm, not as fun as Psycho Mantis. So he's number one. And you don't really fight Sane Mantis. You just kind of have a conversation with him. You're a Mantis. I am Number Mantis. two... I think I would put, at the end of Metal Gear Solid 3, the boss. Fighting the boss. Which boss? The boss. Oh, the boss. Yeah. This is like, who's on who's on first? Nope. It's, it's not like, like that. that at all. It's just like that. Who's nope. the boss? Nope. It's the Angela. Boss. Angela's the boss. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've never actually seen who's the boss, but I do know that somewhere in the internet community, people believe that Angela truly is the boss. They never say on the show who the boss is. But people think it's Angela. Wait, is, know it, is there about. a show called Who's the Boss? There is, yeah. I thought you were making a joke. Nope. What's this Who's the... I guess you don't know who it's the a, boss it's is. It's a, I don't know, 70s or 80s sitcom or something like that? 90s? Oh. I don't know. Something it's not like Undercover Boss? It's like... Not like that at all. Okay. Woo! Whoa. Somebody out there's revving their engine because they got a small dick and they're compensating for something. Number two, the boss. Ending Metal Gear Solid 3. Super cool fight. You're in this big, beautiful field of pink-petaled flowers. Uh, you have to, like, eat snakes off the ground to stay alive. It was it was a good fight. Fun. Good fight. Number three. I really like the scale and scope in Metal Gear Solid 4 of the fight where you're in Metal Gear Ray and you're fighting Metal Gear Rex. No, maybe that's backwards. It's the fight between Metal Gear Ray and Metal Gear, Gear Rex. Super cool fight. You're controlling a Metal Gear for the first time. Uh, and that was a really, really cool. Epic boss battle. Super cool. Which one? Metal Gear Solid 4. 4. Okay. Guns of the Patriots. Yeah. What number was that? Did I say that was 3? I think that was 3. No, I think that was... Yeah, that was 3. Boss number 4 that I really, really like was from, again, Metal Gear Solid 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, the End. The End. The End was a really cool boss. It's a sniper boss. Uh, and you're in this huge map that spans several areas, and you have to sneak up on him and kill him. Like, you can wait for him to fall asleep. Uh, you can 
if you if you see him like the little glint of his scope uh, up on a cliff, you can like shoot him with a tranquilizer, or shoot him with a gun. But you like you can follow his footprints if you find them across this like five or six area map. But the cool thing about this boss battle is if you turn off your game and come back in like a few days, he dies of old age. <laughs> or you can set your PlayStation's clock forward uh, manually. That's really funny. And he dies of old age, and just laying there is his gun, which is such you a cool to find idea. Yeah, you just have to find where it was. That's really funny. But yeah, that's a super cool fight. That's very clever. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the easiest boss battle ever. All right, if, got you knew, here. if you knew to do that, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to turn my game off and come back in a little bit. I think that was the one... You can You can technically kill him, I think... No, in that game, so there's a I can't remember who it was, but in that game, during a small portion before that, you could like shoot somebody. I think it was him. You could shoot him while he's in a wheelchair, like as he's going into a building way off in the distance, and that like skips the entire boss battle altogether. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was him. Cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, number five mm, should have ranked this higher actually. The end of Metal Gear Solid 4, the Revolver Ocelot slash Liquid Snake battle um, is super cool as you're kind of reliving these games and these characters over four or five-ish games. Uh, the boss battle kind of evolves and he starts like changing and you suddenly is back to the PS1 graphics and it's Liquid Snake versus Solid Snake. It's not necessarily, and it's all it's all melee combat and it's not deep at all. It's your you know CQC in, in Metal Gear Solid is not a very uh, developed system. It's just kind of there as, oh, mm-hmm. you're near somebody, you can choke them out. But yeah, So it's, it's just a lot of punching and kicking, somebody falls, but it's going through all of these and kind of playing to your memories of these past games, which is a really cool kind of boss battle to go through. Nostalgia's fun. Yeah, nostalgia is pretty great. So what was that? Number one was, I don't remember. Just go back and listen to it again. <laughs> Rewind two minutes. Woo! And I have that makes me want to go back and play all those games now. You should do it. Just play or them just all. Peace Walker and Metal Gear Solid Five and Metal Gear Solid Four and Metal Gear Solid Three and Two and One. So all of them and not Metal Gear Acid. What about Metal Gear Revengeance? Uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Yes, I played that one for maybe about a half an hour. It was great, right? Nah, not for no. me. My favorite was. Um, Metal Gear Portable Ops on the PSP. That was my favorite Metal Gear Solid game. That wasn't a terrible game. I didn't ever even played it. Did I you just... ever play Metal Gear Acid, the Metal Gear card game on PSP? No, I didn't. Me neither. Sounds great. Sounds I did wonderful. play the Metal Gear Solid graphic novel on PSP as well, which is kind of cool. When I was packing, I did find a bunch of my Vita games, and I do have the Metal Gear uh, HD collection. Yeah. And I want to play that once I get a Vita again. You should. I'm sure you can find one dirt cheap now. Oh, yeah. Dirt cheap. Absolutely. Also another great game or a great system for indies. It is. But the Switch Still. is better now. Well, I guess the Vita has a bigger, much, much bigger collection of indie games to get. Yeah. But I'd rather, if I had those games, I'd rather play them on the Switch still. Well, you can't. So, life sucks. Does, do the games on Vita use the touchpad an awful lot, like the indie games? I See, mean, it wasn't it really depends used that on often. the game, obviously. Well, I know. But, like, did you find that most of them use that or No. There are a couple of games that used it. Most of the time, if it's a port of a Steam game like or something like that, or something it like won't that. be. No, okay. it'll just be controls. Because yeah. I um, like the touchpad. If it's a, it's a game made well. for Vita, then mm-hmm. yeah, you might see a Vita touchpad in there every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But I'm not talking about like the big AAA games on Vita. I'm talking about the indie games. Yeah. Because there weren't that many that actually used the touchpad. 
You would know because yours broke a long time ago and you never got it fixed. So mm-hmm. I missed it. No, a lot of things don't use the touchpad. That was a little cool little gimmick. I liked it. I didn't. <laughs> you didn't? <laughs> no. I liked it for things like Tearaway, which made that some kind of cool uses of it. Yeah. But no. I, yeah, like you could poke your finger through the back of it, mm-hmm. of the world, and you could see your finger come up, but then you could also like, yeah, it was good. It was, it cool. was cool. Yeah. It was clever. Well. Is that it? You I don't have any those. other interrogatives? I got no other interrogatives. Come on. Daniel Newman came up with an interrogative, and you couldn't come up with one? Um... What is your favorite pizza topping in Hold a video it. game? We are not now it's related to video doing games. an icebreaker <laughs> with a bunch of strangers. In our 20th episode. Pizza <laughs> topping in a video game. I don't know that I've ever had pizza in a video game. I've never seen pizza in a video game before yep, ever. Yep, Ninja Turtles. You oh, pizza to get extra life. So it's pepperoni, I think. Usually. Okay, yeah, pepperoni. That's a good, that's a good choice. Yeah, boring yeah. but classic. Perfect. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to us on our last special episode. Uh, go to all the social medias. Check us out. Email us questions, interrogatives for the future. I'm going to draw this out as long as I can because Holden's just waiting there on the stop button. Bye. <laughs>